Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 40, From Feeling Suicidal to Finding Love. Nate Rifkin is the author of the book, The Standing Meditation. When he began his journey, Nate hated himself. He was suicidal and drank alcohol every morning. He dropped out of college, went broke, bankrupt, and even worked on street corners waving around a sign. However, Nate learned a little-known spiritual discipline that helped him transform his thoughts, emotions, and financial life. This practice from the Taoist mystical tradition was his key to learning to love himself. In today's episode, Nate shares his story and his path towards inner peace. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Thank you for being here, Nate. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, that, you know, I'm honored to be here. I hope I can share something that, you know, really, really transforms someone's life. So thank you. You're welcome. So I always start out the podcast the same way, talking about a love lesson. And for those that are listening, a love lesson is essentially a point in your life or an experience that led you to a place of pain, despair, you're down on your knees, a big catalyst has happened in your life that created an enormous shift in who you are and your perspective and what you want to bring to the world. So I would love to hear your story of how you transformed where you were into who you are today. Oh, I'd love, I'd love to. Um, you, you could say I had a, a 25 year love lesson in try, it, it, 25 years in the making of trying to figure it out. Um, because I was, I was born to family very much devoid of love. Um, everyone, everyone in my household was very emotionally shut down. Um, and it was very cold, very distant. So I grew up just not really having direct experience with the idea of, of being around loving, caring people. And I, I became so um, angry as a result because I was, I was really, I was afraid and I started, you know, kind of coping with that by being really angry um, that I, I didn't really, I didn't have that natural feeling of love or even self-love. So as I grew up, I became more depressed um, and I kind of thought to myself, well, as long as I, I get out of here and go to college, well, then I can change, you know, and I, I didn't really know precisely how or what that was, but I figured if I just escape this loveless environment, then I'll change. Um, but I realized within a day of moving out that I was wrong because even if I left the environment that kind of shaped my personality, this acquired personality of mine, um, I was still carrying the programming with me, even if I left. So I, I became a lot more frustrated. I became more, I was really lonely in college. Um, and I started to really hate myself at deeper and deeper levels because I, I, my thoughts would constantly loop on like, Oh, what a loser I am. And, um, and I started feeling more frustrated because I just didn't know how to change. And I was always looking towards the external to change, whether that was um, maybe setting a goal or trying to change my appearance or something like that. I was always looking outside of myself. 
And um, eventually I grew so miserable that I actually dropped out of school. And part of that was because it's like, well, I kind of want to be a, a business owner of some sort or an entrepreneur of some sort. So I, I don't, do I really need a college degree? I, I figured, nah, it's not going to matter. So I left. Um, and within about a year, I, was, I had to said to move to um, Boulder, Colorado, because I, I was going to school on the East Coast. And I started to make a go of like building an online business, but I was still that same self-hating young man. I was, I was still this awkward, lonely person. Um, and I didn't have any good business experience or, or really good business mentorship. So I started maxing out my credit cards. Um, I was able to have some hit or miss, hit or miss success, but it, nothing really worked out long-term. Um, so I started feeling worse about myself. I started to get more frightened because my finances are going downhill and I start to drink alcohol every morning. So it, it was like a couple of shots of vodka in the morning plus an energy drink. So what was I doing? I was like all these feelings of feeling bad and, and hatred and, and just hating my existence and, and my life and myself. I, now I was like diluting them and, and numbing my senses with this alcohol. Um, and the crazy part was I was doing all kinds of like typical self-help stuff. Like I was setting goals. I was, I was doing affirmations. I was like trying to visualize a better life. But again, it was not coming from a place of self-love. It was coming from a place of like, please let me like grab this future result and attain it. And then finally, finally, I'll feel good about myself. Like it's out there. Just let, I swear, just let me have it. I swear I'll, I'll feel good about myself. So um, things got worse and worse. And I started thinking about um, killing myself because I, I was just, I just hated my life. And that was like after 20, that's why I say like a 25 year love lesson. It finally came to like a fork in the road when I finally got the chance to uh, try something completely different. And that's when I was introduced to uh, Taoist meditation. And that was like the beginning of my turnaround. So what I learned when I started practicing Taoist meditation, because I, I, I had a mentor of mine that basically he was also into this stuff. He was teaching like business and marketing, but he was also into meditation. So he finally started teaching this. And I thought, well, this is pretty cool. Comes from the other side of the world. And it's like these ancient masters would become enlightened by practicing it. And I was like, oh, that's neat. So I started training in it and I didn't even know what was going on internally, but only later when I put the pieces together, but I started to feel better. Like the, my self-hating thoughts would start to dial down. It's like someone took a knob and started to dial them back. Um, I started to feel good and at home in my own body. And other people even start to pick up on the difference. and as time went on and I started doing this more and more, um, I, the, the urge to drink alcohol every morning started to like become less powerful because I started to feel so good from the meditation that the alcohol didn't, I didn't need to be numbed out. I didn't need to be numbed out from the bad feelings in my body because they were, they weren't uh, there as much anymore. So I, I, I start to feel so good that I stopped drinking alcohol every morning and looking back with, with your question, it's just like, what was going on was that I was resolving at a deep level, all the bad programming that was keeping me from my natural state 
of self-love. I was like clearing away all the gunk and residue and bad wiring that was like shutting off and hiding away that, that pure original signal of, of loving myself, of being that natural eternal soul that doesn't know hate and doesn't know anger or frustration. Um, so that, that was the lesson that I finally got. And it was, it was ironic because I didn't actually figure it out until I started the practice. <laughs> the practice came first. And then later I was like, oh, I finally came from the inside out. And that's what finally worked for me. That's amazing. And it's powerful. And for those that are listening, can you tell us the difference between like, what does it mean to be, to do Taoist um, meditation as opposed to a different type of, another type of meditation? Oh, absolutely. Um, and this is just like, from my perspective and experience, and you know, it's, it's I only know what I've, what I've practiced and what I've researched. So uh, some stuff I might like not get quite correct, but in my experience, most kinds of like meditative practices that we learn today, especially in the Western world, it's very simplified to the point of being watered down. Like anyone could go online and read about meditation and you'll be like, oh, it's all about like, you know, you sit and you relax and you observe your thoughts. Um, and it's a great way to like focus your mind or something like that, um, which is cool. And if people get benefit from that, that's a wonderful thing. But I, I would try that. And at best, I'd feel like I'd feel kind of hazy. Um, and it just wasn't like, it just didn't do it for me. <laughs> that's what, that's all I can say. Now, when I learned the Taoist meditation, it was, it was really, it was, there was a lot of subtle differences because it's a much more physical body-based meditation. What I mean by that is it's not just about like, oh, just sit and relax. There's a tremendous focus on like how you properly breathe, like uh, breathing deep into your, the area of your belly. So you would actually imagine your belly, ex well, your belly would expand because you imagine as though your lungs can inflate all the way down to your belly. And even to the point where you actually keep your chest nice and relaxed so that your lungs can actually fully inflate. Now, what this does is it, it, it has some tremendous uh, healthy effects on your body because your diaphragm will start to push down, which massages your internal organs um, and which can help start to release like pent up stagnant negative emotions. Cause you're, I mean, you can have uh, traumatic experiences with a lot of negative feelings that actually get stored in your body uh, and stored in your tissues. So when you start breathing deeply, it, it's sort of like, like starting to wake that stuff up and starting to fully process it and get rid of it for finally being like, okay, it's time. It's like cleaning out your fridge. It's like, all right, time to get this stuff out of here. Mm -hmm. um, so as, and also as a result of breathing deeply and slowing down one's breath, even without trying to shut off your thoughts necessarily, your thoughts start to quiet down because your central nervous system is getting calmed down. And when your central nervous system calms down, your thoughts calm down. When your thoughts calm down, your body starts to calm down and you're able to start to physically relax your muscles. Yeah. So that was a, a profound difference for me because I was like, wait a minute. Okay. This is a lot deeper than just kind of sitting around and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. there, there's a very real process that's going on in your body. Now to add to that, the, the meditation I learned is actually done standing up. 
which was kind of an odd thing for me because I'm like, really, you actually meditate while standing? Well, as it turns out, what the Taoist realizes that by standing in a certain way where you, where you tuck your hips forward, almost like you're kind of sitting on a super high bar stool, and also by adjusting your head so that you're lengthening your spine, it's, like give, it's almost like giving yourself a gentle chiropractic treatment. By lengthening your spine, you're able to enhance the circulation of energy within your body. Mm-hmm. And when this energy starts circulating in a more free-flowing way, that's going to assist in dissolving the emotional blockages. So, and so, which all comes back to, well, we've all got this kind of, it's like faulty wiring um, based on like having to just live in this um, time and space existence, you know, getting born into this planet with standing trauma, which all kind of, in order to cope with it, it, we build these layers of acquired personality that gets in the way of our natural state of just of, of loving ourselves and just, and not having these, these emotions. Um, and again, a lot of this came with my studies afterward because I didn't know any of this. All I knew is just like, Oh, okay. I'll breathe deeply, stand, relax. And Oh, wow. I feel great. So <laughs> it was pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that, that about the standing part. I mean, I, I know, I know that as an acupuncturist about the energy flow, but not the meditation part. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I find like very few people know about it, but um, it's one of the Taoist like foundational practices because by standing, your feet are connected to the earth's energy. So you're connecting to both heaven and earth energy and you become like this conduit to get the energy flowing in, in your body. So it could, it could be a very profound experience. Wow. Yeah. It sounds it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super cool. <laughs> so are you talking about the meditation or explaining the meditation in your book? Yep. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, because uh, thanks, thanks for bringing that up because um, I, I guess, what was it? 10 years after I started this practice, I realized it's still so rarely known. I, and I, I, I was inspired to write a book about it. So yeah, the book kind of details my journey, my both my downward spiral and my upward spiral after I learned this meditation um, and exactly how to do it and how to take it to deeper and deeper levels to, to transform yourself. Wow. It's just so interesting that life brought you to this tradition since it's such a rare one that not like many people know about. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's kind of cool. It kind of, I kind of wonder if it was kind of just written in the cards from, from day one that I, I was going to like, all right, Nate, <laughs> not going to be pretty, but you're going to, you're going to be forced into this. You're going to be happy after trust us. Well, how did you <laughs> find it? Did somebody introduce it to you or did you find mm-hmm. it online? Um, well, I was, what was it in my early twenties? I started learning from a teacher along with a bunch of other students, like how to, how to advertise a business online, how to, um, build basically how to become self-employed and build up your own business. And this person also happened to be interested in Taoism, although that was just his own personal thing. And as I learned more from him about business and marketing, he's, he started to teach Taoism and he started to teach. He's like, you know, these meditations actually really helped me go from like when I started my business to where I'm at today. And it, as long as you're interested in this kind of stuff, I'll, I'll start teaching it. I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of strange, but, um, and it's kind of, it's kind of, um, I guess funny is the best word to put it. It's, it's kind of funny because 
I later like had a falling out with this teacher because he kind of had a dark side to him. Mm -hmm. So I kind of struggled and I went back and forth and I decided I I would mention him in my book, but not by name. Um, And I kind of wondered about it, but ultimately I realized it, it was a really good lesson in the teaching has value even if the teacher is still a human being. Right. Right. Sad, but true. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he introduced you to this work and now you're taking it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. I spent, I spent years afterwards at at first it was on my own um, because I just didn't really know where to go for trusted information. So I just had to experiment myself, which I'm I'm grateful for. But uh, eventually I started finding um, other, other teachers um, and I've been continuing my studies ever since. And, and today I'm actually uh, studying to be a, and training to be a Taoist priest. Wow. Um, in the spiritual tradition. Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's kind of a, I didn't know it was a life dream, but it's, 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 uh, it's something that I'm probably more passionate about than anything else in, in terms of my own journey. Right. So where do you learn to become a Tao, uh, a Taoist priest? Um, there's, I, I mean, the way to do it is to find someone else who's a Taoist priest or, or someone who's kind of gone, gone higher in the, in the stratosphere there and, and be accepted as a disciple. The, the lineage that I'm part of is there's teachers, um, out in California. Um, one's, one is, uh, that probably the head teacher's name is Dr. Jerry Allen Johnson. And he, he teaches just a lot of amazing uh, mystical classes, including Taoism. Um, and my, my main teacher is, uh, his name is Dr. William Welsh Jr. Um, and he's, t- he basically started a class, oh gosh, going back uh, today, as of today, it's probably about a year ago. He's, he, he opened up a, a classroom and and for the next like probably five years, um, I'm going to be learning from them, and 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 eventually uh, during that become a priest. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I'm an acupuncturist, and acupuncturist based on Taoist traditions, and so I learned about it, of course, because it's part of the acupuncture medicine yeah. in terms of the basis of the medicine. But I for some reason didn't think of it as an ongoing religion of course i mean of course it is but i never i didn't know they had priests yeah it's cool there's well there's so many facets to it that's what i love about Taoism. it's like you have the medical side with the acupuncture you have the there's there's martial arts there's even a whole martial arts tradition with Taoism. and yeah there's even the uh the more uh, mystical spiritual tradition so i mean it's and i mean there's all and herbalism i mean you could just go on it's it's amazing it's it's so cool (laughs) <laughs> there's so much neat there's just so much neat stuff yeah you know for me it's all about nature because i love the balance of it all like the yin and the yang the masculine the feminine being able to balance all those energies in the body and which is why i love acupuncture so much because acupuncture is all about creating that harmonious energy within your system and when you have stagnation or things are not moving energetically that's where the pain comes in. That's when the disease comes in. And a lot of things can create stagnation, emotions, trauma, food, diet, air, like so many things can alter our energetic flow. And I really feel like, you know, of course you can always go see an acupuncturist, but that's only one day or twice a week or whatever. It's not 
a continuous everyday thing. So it's really important to have something that you can do daily to get your energy going and moving. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And and it's 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 fascinating to see how most people are missing that. Um, now, most people know, I mean, you have to work on, like you said, when it comes to like balance, um, and which is what Taoism is all about, achieving harmony through balance. Most people recognize that there has to be harmony um, in their financial life, their physical health, their relationships. Um, and it's, I'm excited to like talk about this kind of thing because a lot of people still don't realize that there's, there's a um, fabric of, of the energy running through all of this. And like you said, if there's a blockage or if there's a stagnation, that is going to have a ripple effect on every other aspect of someone's life. And it's going to have a ripple effect on the more tangible aspects of someone's life, someone's life. And yet, if they don't work on that energetic blockage, they might be frustrated because they'll think it's like, ah, I'm trying to change this part of my life, but it's just not working out. Well, I get it. That, that was the first 25 years of my life. Um, it wasn't until I started directly working with the energy that I was actually able to resolve a lot of these issues. Absolutely, 100%. And for me, as a healthcare provider, I've been doing this for 20 years and trying to figure out this whole health thing, how to be healthy, how to be healthy. And I found that including the love piece is really what took it to the next level because I could do eat all the right things. I could exercise, I could meditate, I could do all the things. And if there is not that love component, it really doesn't get to the root of at least what some of my health issues was and what, what my health, a lot of my health issues were coming down to that emotional space and that love yeah was that was that medicine that I was not was missing and I think that's also a big part of getting energy to flow is also looking at the love how much do you love yourself like what's what's your emotional reaction to even the word you know oh yeah absolutely it kind of reminds me of a it's not quite a joke but it is kind of a uh, kind of funny in a way where you'll run into people where um they've been, it's like, oh, I've been, uh, mm, I've been meditating for, you know, 25 years. And he's just like, whoa, <laughs> you've been doing something for 25 years, but, and they've been missing that love piece. Um, so, so yeah. Right. And you remind me of that when you, when you mentioned that it's, 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 it's so right on. It's like everything that you put in your body or everything you experience, um, can, be completely different based on this, how you relate to and how you relate to yourself when it comes to love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said that person was meditating for 20 years, 25 years, because I find that meditation can be very heady and yeah. you can just get lost in that, which is why I like what you're mentioning, because I think it's important to go back into your body and really start that breath work and start to do that internal work to get you away from your mind into your body and ultimately into your love, into your heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that, I mean, that, that could be, it's almost like a danger. I, I use air quotes there because it's, um, or a caution that, that if someone dives into a meditative practice that, yeah, there is a real risk that you'll actually end up just pouring more energy into your head. And that's why you might have someone that kind of gets up from sitting down and attempting to meditate. And they're just like, Oh, okay, well, 
I just, I guess I just meditated for a while. I hope that did some good. <laughs> so, and, and, and I, you know, I ran into that a lot and to, and to this day, it's still something that I have to like make sure to, um, to, to not fall, not fall in that spiral of just like getting trapped in one's head, which, which is why, yeah, the, the focusing on the breath is so important and focusing on the physical relaxation and the structure of your body, because all of that, what that does is it allows the energy to properly sink back down, like in, into the heart and, and make sure like the lower part of the body is the one that's energized and that the head gets more clear and empty. Cause I mean, and when we're, we're talking in 2021, there's no shortage of stimulation in the world that's going to put the energy right back up here. Coffee, sugar, yeah, a, coffee, phone. Where, where's my phone? Your, your <laughs> phone, the screen, everything. I mean, it's intense. Yeah. I mean, I feel like technology is a beautiful thing as we're experiencing this with Zoom. It's a wonderful yeah. thing, but it definitely pulls us away out of our body into something outside of ourselves. And it's really important to create practices that force you to go within and start to listen to your own heart and not listen to your mind that's filled with programs that have been inundating us for years. And all these things are like putting stories in our mind and it's harder to listen to your voice when your mind is full with of others. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it reminds me like, I mean, thousands of years ago, when when these mystical traditions were were like, how do I put it? They're they're being passed on, and knowledge was being accumulated, and practices were being refined. They were doing so in a, a, a tremendously different environment from what we have today. There were there wasn't much. There was no artificial light other than, say, lighting a fire um, after the sun has set. Uh, There is no electronics. Um, So we actually have a a greater challenge today. And we have to adjust our practices today because we have that disconnect from nature compared to thousands of years ago. We're able to survive much easier. So we have to we have to consider that. Well, it's, it's like you were talking about earlier, balance. So now we have a lot more that we need to balance against. Um, and we need to be much more mindful and more deliberate about making sure we're connected to a natural environment um, while still enjoying the benefits of technology. Right, right. Because I mean, there are amazing benefits, but you're absolutely 100% right. Like if we're not adjusting to the modern day yeah. um, and, and our managing our energy, I think that's like the biggest thing, like understanding where energy flow goes and how that all works makes such a big difference. And once you're able to understand, maximize your energy, it makes such a, you can actually sit in front of TVs and all of this and still be able to be okay. Yeah. And it can actually be kind of a cool test. It's like, cause some people, you know, when they're in the pristine, like beautiful, like we call like on the meditation cushion, it's like, (laughs) uh, you know, yeah, I I feel all zen out. I feel wonderful. It's like, all right, cool. Um, go turn on the news and, you know, can you mean, or, or visit, visit your relatives? <laughs> can you maintain? Yeah, I know. Right? Oh, geez. That's like this. That's like the boss level. Um, can you maintain that, that same kind of equilibrium? And if, if, if not, that's okay. Cause it's about how quickly can you recover? You know, right. we're, all, we're all human. That's, I think that's ultimately the tr- in truth. I mean, it's like, you can have, you can live in an ashram in your home and have yeah. a sanctuary, but really the test is when you go out in the world and how do you talk to people? How do you 
communicate like how are you in the workplace like you know i think if you know you want to say you want to be a loving person and that's wonderful until somebody cuts you off on the road but, you know what <laughs> i mean it's like oh yeah it's like really like uh, that's really when it's like you're putting you're putting it to the test i think that's a lot of it like when you're saying you want to be a heart-centered person and you're meditating on that and you want to be a being of light and all of this stuff it's a wonderful thought but it's really like in action is really when it really shows like how you treat people and how you interact in the world totally yeah absolutely absolutely yeah cool well this is such a wonderful conversation because i feel like i often don't talk to meditators that much because they don't they're not usually talking about love so it's mm. to, um talk to someone that meditate that also infuses love the idea and the concept of love in their work that's interesting you don't you know find both going together well let's let's hope we need to change that <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think it's um i think also they may be talking about love but they may not say the word love you know what i mean because i feel yeah. like love can kind of throw people off so that's also why i'm doing this work that i do because i also want to make love an energy that people feel comfortable talking about because it does it does hit boundaries like sometimes i say love to people and they're like i can't listen to that so maybe change the word to kindness or compassion or empathy and yeah yeah you know they can work their way up to the to the big love <laughs> to like the divine mm -hmm. love the ultimate yeah love. yeah that's interesting though that you know when you when you mention that some people they just can't listen i'm just like oh geez well I hope that I hope that some I hope eventually they can get to a place where they can. Yeah, I hope so too. I know, I know for me, I grew up with family that was also not very expressive. They were very mm. emotionally shut down. I barely got the I love yous, I barely got hugs. And so I didn't grow up with this like abundance of familial like love, you know. And so when I started growing up and I had friends and people that say, Oh, I love you, I'd always be like. I didn't know. I didn't even know how to receive that because I was like, "Yeah, it's like, what does that mean? Uh, uh, like, do I yeah. have something now? Like, you know, because it felt like love for me was always conditional. Like, I love you because right. you do this, and you know, it was always like a transactional thing. So I was like, do I need to give you something now that you said you loved me? Like, what does that mean? So it took me years to understand that I could." I love myself and people love me and I could receive that love and I could share love. It became like, I had to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's profound. That's super cool. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, let's get into the, um, infinite love questions. Okay. So the first question is how do you use love in your work? Um, the way I use love in my work is by making sure that I always come from a place where I'm centered, um, where I'm a glass that's already full mm -hmm. because it's after my own fullness and my own feeling good about myself and being able to feel love for myself without, like we were talking about earlier, without like the, the acquired emotions getting in the way, like frustration or irritation or worry or something like that. When I can come from that place, there's a spillover like um, showing up for this podcast um, and talking with you, I make sure if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna sit down and talk and other people are gonna hear me, I need to be a full glass of love first. Otherwise, the, there's gonna be a hollowness in the transmission. 
even if I say all the right words, or even if I give like good advice or something like that, along with that is going to be a transmission that won't be as helpful or something's going to ring false about it, or it's good. The, or the people that could be otherwise benefit from it will not, will bounce off or never, or never even listen. Um, so the way, so integrating love into my work is by making sure I come from that place where um, I'm able to give. It's like uh, actually one of my, uh, not one, a few of my teachers will actually say, it's like miracles happen at 101%. So your job is to be 100% and take care of yourself first, because then when you can help out others, it's going to come from that extra percentage that you can now give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And that's so vital, like keeping that, keeping your energy high and full and yeah. your vibration to that level so that people can come and match you and meet you. And I think there's so much healing when you are a person that brings that presence of love to help others. And, it, and it, if you don't, if you don't mind, I'd like to add to that because there are a lot of people who um, they are very heart centered naturally and they're very empathic. The, the danger for them is this, the, the, the urge and the being feeling driven to give and give and love and love when they are drained, right. When they are already drained. Um, and, and with that, it's like the self-love has to come first. Otherwise, it's it's gonna it's gonna result in something that's ultimately um, harmful to you. So yeah, I, I had a feeling to mention that too. Yeah, you have to take care of yourself for sure. And the second one is, how do you use? How does your work? How is it used to serve humanity? Well, um, when I was going through my transformation. Um, back when I started doing the Taoist practices, and then in the years after, I managed to turn. I managed to feel better about myself. I managed to um, turn my life around. It was slow, but it happened. Um, and I actually, I, I, I was able to establish a career that I loved. I was able to meet the love of my life and get married. And then about three years ago, I realized more people need to know about these practices. So I, that's why I wrote the book and. The book is my is my service because I, that's why I'm talking with you today and why I talk about this stuff because I realized people need to know and they just don't and it's it's not their it's not their fault they, it's just they don't know so my way to serve is to just kind of shout and shout until someone will will listen it's like oh this is super cool stuff <laughs> so that's um, that's my uh, yeah tell us what's the name of the book and where can we find it. Oh, it's called The Standing Meditation, um, and it's on Amazon, and I also have a website, thestandingmeditation.com, and and right now, that just forwards right to the page on Amazon. Makes it easy to find. Perfect. Yeah. And what does it mean for you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? Um, It means I start by working on myself, because the, the way my teachers would describe it is, we're in an ocean of energy, all of us. And, you know, when you're in, when you're in like the actual ocean, the water is everywhere. It's constantly flowing, it's flowing in between people, amongst people. So there's no way that you could kind of like hold your arms out and like in kind of hold some water and be like, well, well, this, this is my energy. This, this right here is my, (laughs) you know, this is my water. It's like, it's just impossible. We're all interacting. 
even if we don't say anything to each other, we are interacting in, on some level. So for me, it's all about making sure whatever I bring, whatever energy I put out there, whatever energy comes flowing through me and flowing right back out of me, I'm, I'm making it better. I'm leaving it better. Um, and, I, and I'm broadcasting something that is going to be helpful for someone or nourishing for someone instead of taking away. So that, that's it. my mindset is it's got to start with myself. Um, another way to put it is just like, it's like in the morning before I head outside, I'm going to brush my teeth. Well, I, I'm also going to make sure to brush my energy. Right. So, so that's, that's how I make sure it's like, whatever, whatever I do, whatever interactions I have, whatever, whether I'm aware of them or whether I'm not aware of them, whether they're close and personal or at a distance, I want to make sure that I'm broadcasting something that's going to be ultimately healthy and helpful to anyone that comes around me. Love it. What do you love most about your life? Uh, you know what? I, I just, I, I, I have the coolest life. I, I love, <laughs> I love my wife and I get to study Taoism um, and really take it to a deep level and now transition to where I get to tell others about it. So the, the fact that I get to walk the spiritual path um, and, and help others along the way, that is just super cool. I love that. Nice. Yeah. And how do you feel you receive love? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, the way I receive love is first, it all started with the fact that I was able to start loving myself. And that opens the door. Um, because if we, it, it's like the, the folks you were describing earlier, where if you mentioned the word, they're like, oh, I don't know. That's, that's a lack of self-love. Because once you love yourself, not only can you give to others, that's what opens the door to be able to receive it. And you receive it. I mean, I love hearing it from my wife that she loves me. Um, I'm a, a, by the way, I love, I love that book, the five love languages. So I'm, I'm big on like uh, my wife's a great cook. So acts, acts of service, like when she cooks <laughs> a great meal for me, that's like, I'm just like, Yee! so that's, that's how I love to receive it too. And honestly, just, um, you know, words of encouragement from, friends and teachers, because it just goes to show it's like, oh, wow, you're really, you really are seeing me. Um, and you, you really are seeing how far I've come and, and, and knowing that I actually have a place in their lives and in their thoughts, um, that makes me feel loved. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. When do you feel the most love? Hmm. I guess I, I probably feel the most love. Um, when around those that I love and that we you know have a have a meaningful interaction and then during that interaction there's also periods of stillness mm -hmm. where we're actually able to I guess you could I guess you could say it, interact at a, at a deeper level that goes beyond words so that that's probably when I feel it the most because then when there's that stillness that's when you're able to feel the most and be like whoa so, yeah. Okay. And my last question is, where has love created a miracle in your life? Um, one, when I was, when I started the Taoist meditation um, and that I really started to strip away all the self-hate and as a result, started to feel love. 
even though I didn't understand what was going on. Um, I'll share with you a funny story because I was uh, a late at one point in my life, I worked a job where I was actually, I stood on a street corner um, waving around a sign for a company. This, this is like going back, oh gosh, um, a decade. And I remember, I, I didn't understand any of this. this and I, I wasn't even thinking about the concept of love. And I remember a car would drive by and I'd see like a woman in a passenger seat and I'd just kind of feel like, oh, I, I love you. And then I'd like see her like, her ticked off boyfriend also like staring at me, just like, what's up? And I would feel the same, like, oh, I love you too. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? And that's how I realized, oh, wow, this is profound. This is, this goes deeper than like acquired emotions or acquired personality, something that is learned since we're born. This is like a real like connection between all beings. So that to me was like a mini miracle. Um, and the major miracle was being able to like love myself so much that I actually met my wife because I mean, we, when we start to really get to know each other, we realized that we had lived in play. We both lived in the same part of Florida at the same time without ever having met. We had probably lived. Yeah. We'd probably lived in uh, Denver at similar times and had actually like, she might've driven by me where I worked. And we didn't meet. And yet, finally, the universe is just like, no, 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 you you two are going to meet for real. So to me, that just shows that there are yeah. such thin but powerful threads. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is a miracle when you can actually be pulled together like that. I love those kinds of love stories. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm crazy. Like, I'm like a total hopeless, hopeless um, romantic. And I love oh, good. I love those stories because I'm just like, yeah, that's, you know, and I meet so many couples that say things like that. Like, yeah, we lived in the same town. We lived in the same block. Like all these things were, we were like in the same group of friends, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't until the right moment that we met. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it is a miracle. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's really cool. That is great. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It was so lovely meeting you. And I'm so excited about your meditation. I'm definitely going to check out that book because I love um, learning more about energy work. And I think that would be a really useful one to know. Well, thank you. I was honored to be here. This is, this is really amazing. Cool. Thank you so much, Nate. Have a beautiful day. Sending you lots of love. Up to you too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.